Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Me and my dad, at one time when I was out of high school, me and my dad both worked for a big ranch in West Texas. And we were sitting there one day, and I think the only reason I got hired is because they didn't have to give me my own house and my own truck because I could just ride with my dad. But, you know, at that point in your life, you get to work for a really, really, really big outfit when you're like, you know, 18, 19 years old. I'll take whatever I can get. Well, there was, we had an old, well, we were sitting there eating one night, and you just got to know the story. They provided all of our groceries for us. And we had had an old cancer-eyed cow that the ranch had us haul to the uh, locker plant, and they were just going to turn it all into beef. Well, they got that one mixed up with another one, and they turned that old cancer-eyed cow into a bunch of steaks. If you've never eaten a 65-year-old cancer-eyed cow raised on dirt in West Texas, you've never experienced real beef. Like eating a, you know, like a three-year-old dead, a three, a longhorn that's been dead for three years, okay? Raw, that's about what it tasted like. So I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to cut this, man. I had to drag out the, you know, the electric cutter just to get through it. You know, you can, it didn't matter, marinated, and oh, it just, it was horrible. It was horrible. We ended up, Going to Harbor Freight. Does anybody else like Harbor Freight besides me? And those tools are great. You can use them twice, and they work really good twice. We went to Harbor Freight and bought us a meat grinder so that we could grind those steaks up into hamburger meat. They were so bad. But anyway, so me and my dad are sitting there eating, and I'm, I'm trying to choke it down. And I'm, I'm one of these types of people that, like, does anybody else just ever get tired of chewing? I thought I'd just maybe suck the protein out of it and then just spit the wad out on the floor. That's how bad this was, right? And so, anyway, we're sitting there and we're eating, and I'm, I'm not complaining with my words, just with my face. And anyway, Dad looked over at me and he said, You know, it's not so bad. If you keep in mind that that is 100% grass-finished beef, son. Now, I looked at him and I said, well, this 100% grass-finished beef has a taste equivalent of a rice cake with ketchup on it. He just agreed with me and laughed. Well, I did a social experiment because, you know, the way people react and the way they live their lives, I mean, I, I make my living at that. Because a lot of times it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I make my living with words and I, with concepts. And, you know, sometimes I don't stir the pot. I just do the soap opera deal. You know, come back next week and stuff like that. So I was remembering this funny situation with my dad because last week I was with him at his 70th birthday in Texas. And uh, something that made me think of it. And so I put that on social media with a really cool picture that said, you know, 100% grass-finished beef uh, 
has a taste equivalent of a rice cake. There, I said it. But it was just in response to that funny story. And really what I was hoping for would somebody that would ask me, what, is, what are you talking about, right? No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Nobody's going to ask me a, a, a question. I got beat with bars of soap and socks. I got hit with proverbial hot shots. Oh, my gosh. You would have thought that I, you know, that I had uh, put down the name of John Wayne or something. Oh, my gosh. People just came out of the woodwork and... You know, they, they assumed because I said that, that, man, I got accused of all sorts of things. Um, I got lots of hate. I actually got accused of trying to ruin people's lives. Ruin. I got accused of trying to ruin the cattle industry. I'm a lot more important than I thought I was. If I can ruin the cattle industry with a stupid picture, <laughs> I even got a lovely message from a woman, a lovely woman named Julie, that said, after reading your post, I now know how big of an idiot you really are. I had to agree with her. I have to agree with her because it didn't go as planned at all. I mean, I got crucified over this deal. Now, lots of people, um, you know, they, they laughed and agreed, and most of them took it lightheartedly. There was just a few that, you know, there's a few in every bunch. And when you have like 170,000, there's more than just a bunch, okay? Or there's more than just a few in the bunch. You know, I just wanted to see if anybody would ask for some context. Like, why, why would you say that? Because I was setting it up for a good story, right? Well, it didn't work out that way. But then God used one man. His name was Daryl Davis. His name was Daryl Davis. And this was his comment. As in beef or people, it sure makes a difference on what we are finished out on. Think about that. He said, as in beef or people, it sure makes a difference on what we were finished out on. He didn't say one was better than the other. He just said it makes a difference on what we're finished out on. And I absolutely loved that comment because I was just trying to do something to start a conversation, to laugh, to joke, you know, because that's me. But most people don't know me. They look through a keyhole and think that they know my entire life, you know. And I loved his comment so much that I set out to see if I could find some examples of how God wants to finish us out. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody kept going back to the grain-fed or grass-fed beef. I don't care. I don't think that most people do care. They may have a preference. But just because somebody likes grass-fed doesn't mean that they hate feedlots. And just because somebody likes grain-fed doesn't mean that they hate grass-fed people. We're all in this together. It's all promoting. But I think it does matter what we're finished out on because I don't know about you, but I would a lot rather have some nice young grass-fed or nice young corn-fed, grain-fed versus that 69-year-old cancer-eyed cow. I guarantee you, it makes a difference what you're finished out on. So I went and looked in the Bible. 
And the first part, the first thing I started with was finish. Not start, but finish. In 1 Corinthians 13. Does anybody know what that chapter is called? The love chapter. That's right, the love chapter. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, I'm going to be reading it out of the Simplified Cowboy Version because I'm a little bit partial to that. You read it out of your version, however you want to. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, Paul says, Preaching, prophecy, and even praying in tongues will one day be useless. Kind of weird, huh? He says, Preaching, prophecy, and even praying in tongues will one day be useless. But then in verse 13, he says, there's a lot of stuff that will end up tromped in the dirt. But these three things will endure forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Right? So think about it. If you're going to finish something out, it, it needs to be there until the very, very, very end. Right? And out of all of the gifts... Preaching, teaching, prophecy, uh, charity, serving, all of that stuff. Paul says, or the Holy Spirit through Paul says, only three things will remain. All of those other things will go away. But three things will remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the best of them is love. See, what God uses to finish us isn't something temporary, but things that will endure forever. So let's see what would happen if we were finished on faith. And you know, and, and when I say this, I'm not saying that everybody has to fit one of these. I'm not saying that somebody can't fit two of these. Shoot, I hope we all three, uh, I hope that all of us fit all three of these. But the fact remains. feel that. Okay, a little better. <laughs> Sorry. So what happens if we're finished on faith? See, faith is a life finished on confidence. Because that's what faith is, isn't it? It's a confidence in something. Because you, you can't have faith in something without having confidence in it, right? So that's a good way to remember what faith is. But faith is a life finished on confidence. What kind of confidence? Well, I think that it's finished on uh, confident in God's promises. You know, there's, uh, and I've told this story many times. And, I, you know, just some things just stick with you. I was listening to a preacher one time, and he was talking about going to Africa. And there was a pastor over there, and uh, after their Bible study or something, um, that pastor was asked to pray. And as this pastor prayed, the guy that was telling the story said it was the most powerful prayer he'd ever heard because the guy went on for like 15 minutes and all he did was remind God of his promises. All he did. God, you said in your word this. God, you said in your word this. And you said in your word this and this and this and this and this. And not that God needs reminded of promises, but it was showing God that he knew what God's promises were. Right? He said, man, I loved it. 
He prayed for 15 minutes and just reminded God of the promises that He'd made to those that call on Him as Lord and Savior. So I looked it up. There was a guy named uh, something Storms. I wish my last name was Storms. Sounds like a Marvel hero, right? Kevin Storms. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, anyway, this guy named Storms, during his 27th reading of the Bible, a task which took him a year and a half, just the 27th reading, not he read 27 times in a year and a half. During this 27th reading, which took him a year and a half, Storms read the Bible with one thing in mind, the promises of God. And he came up with 8,810 promises of God from Genesis to Revelation. 7,487 of them being promises made by God to specifically us. Think about that. Okay, I'm not going to put y'all on the spot. I'll put me on the spot. Ask me to go up there and start writing down promises of God and let me see how far I get. It's not going to be 7,487, I guarantee you that. But wouldn't it be great if we were so confident in the promises of God that we knew what they were? Man, you know, think about that. You want to do a Bible study? Oh, I don't know how to read the Bible. Man, just start reading it, and if you find a promise of God, write it down. What a wonderful Bible study that would be, right? So to, to be finished on faith is to be finished on confidence. Confidence in God's promises, that God is going to do what He says He will do. Now, how are you going to know what He's going to do if you don't go read and know the promises of God, right? It's also, though, it's confident in Jesus' finished work. Only Jesus' finished work on the cross can save you. Only Jesus' finished work on the cross can save you. And you know, I got to thinking about this. I tried to put it in terms that I could understand. And I was thinking that if you had one loop to catch something, and it was going to be the toughest shot you ever had, if you miss, you go to hell. If you make it, you go to heaven. But what if Jesus rode up and said, you want me to take that shot for you? Who's going to let him? <laughs> I'm going to let him all day long because I know he ain't going to miss, right? But I will. And too many people are like, no, Jesus, I can do this on my own. And they don't get it done. Because we must rely on the finished work of Christ to save us because we can't do it on our own. We have to be confident in Jesus' finished work. You know, that's what, that's what Jesus said on the cross. He says, it is finished. And when he said it is finished, you know what, guys? He was talking about his work, not yours. Yours isn't finished yet. But his is. His is. So faith is a life finished on confidence. Confidence in God's promises. Confidence in Jesus' finished work. And confident in the Holy Spirit's guiding. You know... 
We don't have lights on, but that's okay. <laughs> I was wondering what was different up here. But uh, anyway, I always say that looking back on my life, I can look back and see just how much the Holy Spirit was guiding me. And I wasn't even trying to follow. So if I can look back and see how the Holy Spirit was guiding my life, probably to this moment right here, even back then, if the Holy Spirit was guiding me back then when I wasn't even following, how much more will the Holy Spirit guide me now that I am looking to follow? we got to be confident in the Holy Spirit's guiding. Finished on faith. If you're going to be finished on faith, it's all about confidence. Not in yourselves, but confident in God's promises, God confident in Jesus' finished work, and confident that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. That's finished on faith. What about someone, though, that is finished on hope? Finished on hope. See, I think that hope is a life finished on joy. The life finished on joy. See, I think that joy is the fruit of a ride with God. I mean, if, if you already know that you're saved and there's nothing that can take that away from you, you know, nobody else can take it away from you. I guess you can renounce it if you want to, but then I have a question as if we were, if we were truly saved or not, right? But anyway, so if joy is the fruit of a ride with God. You ever run into, how do I say this? Mopey Christians. <laughs> Angry Christians. Come on, seriously, man. You know, when, when you see these angry, mopey Christians, you want to ask them, do you know that you have not already claimed victory that that you are going to be saved no matter what, that all of your sins are forgiven, that in the end you will be victorious, in the end you will live eternity. Eternity is not the elongation of time, it is the absence of it. You will spend eternity where there is no pain, no suffering, no nothing. And you're mopey? You're mad? You're angry? Look, man, I've never known anybody that came to Christ because they walked up to an altar and said, Hello, Mr. Johnson down the street. That fellow's just plumb miserable, and I want what he has. Nobody's ever said that. And we need to find the joy in Christ. You know, and look, I, I get criticized a lot. You know, you know, oh, you just make a big joke out of everything. Well, no, not really. I just, I just love God, and I, I have the joy of the Lord. Right? We have to have joy. That joy is the fruit of the ride with God. You know, joy is the maker's mark that Jesus stamps on our hearts. Think about that. What does your maker's mark say? My maker's mark says Jesus Christ because he created me anew. That we have become a new creation. And when I became a new creation, I got Jesus' maker's mark stamped on me. And I can't tell you how much joy that brings to my life. And I'm sorry to say that a lot of times I might forget about that for a moment or two, but I always try to come back to it. And joy is the light that the Holy Spirit uses to reach the world. 
Joy is the light the Holy Spirit uses to reach the world. He tries to shine through you. What are you, spotlight, candlelight, lit up bug's butt light? Isn't that crazy? If God can light up a bug's butt, imagine what he can do with your life. Right? Seriously, you can shine bright. Listen, <laughs> if I can make you laugh, if I can make you laugh, you'll listen. And if you'll listen, I'll tell you about the joy of following Christ. That's why I use humor a lot. That's why I laugh. I want y'all to know that we're here to celebrate God, to worship Him, that we are not at a funeral. Because, yes, Jesus did die, but He rose from the grave. Jesus is not dead anymore. And that should bring us all joy. Are you finished on faith? Which is finishing on confidence. Are you finished on hope? Because hope is a life finished on joy. Well, I hope you're finished on both of those, as well as the third. Finished on love. Faith and hope benefit the possessor. Faith and hope benefit us, okay? Faith and hope benefit us. But love must benefit someone else. Love must benefit someone else. Love cannot remain within itself and still be loved. If love is not shared, love is not there. If love, or maybe, and this is my philosophical talk, y'all ready? Watch this nugget of wisdom. Get my Matthew McConaughey voice out. Love unshared. Is love on there? Do y'all get that? On there's not even a word, but I just made it up. Love unshared is a love on there. If love is not shared, the love is not there. Finished on love. To love others is to finish the work of God. Loving to love others is to finish the work of God. To love others is to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. To love others is to find the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life. What are you finished on? What are you finished on? Are you finished on faith? Are you finished on hope? Will you be finished on love? Well, you've got a part to play in all of these. Because I really hope that you are finished on faith, that you're finished on hope, finished on love, instead of finished on dirt. Like an old 67 to 69-year-old toothless cancer-eyed cow. We don't have to live a life like that. Because I think that most of us would agree that being finished on faith, which is confidence, finished on joy, or finished on hope, which is joy, and finished on love, which is to finish, fulfill, and find the purpose of our lives. That's a lot better off. It sure enough sets us up in line for eternity. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, finish us out good and strong so that we can spread your word, enjoy your blessings, and be strong enough to ride that narrow trail. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
A lot of you know that, that we partner locally. Uh, well, we, we partner with three organizations. The first organization is uh, Ordinary Missionaries, uh, George and Vonda Cisneros down in Guatemala, and then uh, uh, Memo down in uh, the orphanage in Mexico. Huh? Our, yeah, Our Surrendered Lives is the name of the orphanage down in Mexico. But we also partner here locally with uh, Eagle's Nest Ranch that does a great, great job of serving our local first responders and their families. And their first Buckaroo Day, or their Buckaroo Days uh, are coming up, and they have three training dates, and they're in desperate need of some volunteers. So if you've been thinking about maybe wanting to step out a little bit out of your comfort zone, and um, there's three dates, Saturday, June 26th, July 10th, and July 18th. They're all training dates. Or no, June 24th, July 8th, and July 15th are the training dates for the subsequent uh, Buckaroo days to follow. Great organization, man. Go out and give back. I, you know, I, I know sitting here that that might, be not, that might not be something you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to go do that. If that does it, maybe you should. Because I've never, ever, ever, you go down to Guatemala with us, you go down to Mexico with us, you go to Eagle's Nest Ranch with us and do something, and you're going to think that you're being, that, that you're helping somebody else, but when you get done, what you'll realize is that it was you that was helped. So take a step of faith, you know, go out and do something. If you're online listening, go find somewhere to volunteer, go do something and get finished on faith, hope, and love. Love y'all. We'll see you next week.